Are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay. Just making sure. <laughs> uh, you got really quiet. Um, welcome to the Good Games Podcast. My name is James. And I'm Leo. And today we are going to be talking about Octopath Traveler. And our tie-in, since that game has such a fantastic soundtrack, we thought a good tie-in would be our top five favorite video game soundtracks. Um, Octopath Traveler is the weirdest name for, like, a game that doesn't match what that title is. Yeah, uh, I am am right there with you. I think this is one of the worst named games ever. I, I I hate the name of this game. I hate it. Yeah. That's my that's my first point. Name sucks. Let me also say that uh, how excited I was with this game. This is definitely my most anticipated game of the year coming into oh. this year. Okay. Because like because obviously halfway through this year, Super Smash Brothers was announced, and then oh, you know course. fuck fuck everything. We're playing Super Smash Brothers, but Smash? Uh, oh. yeah. Prior to that, this was my most anticipated game. You know, I played the demo at the end of last year and loved the demo. I was like freaking out excited for this game um this game's really underwhelming (laughs) (laughs) um okay first of all let me say the game looks amazing i love the 2d 3d thing i love the like the 2d like old school pixel art but uh in the like super hd environments with the volumetric lighting and you know all of the like camera depth of field effects and like all of the i love the way the like sand and snow looks in this game like the game looks absolutely gorgeous and the soundtrack is fucking awesome which is uh uh why we're doing our our top five whatever top five tie-in yeah yeah uh everything else is kind of eh um i uh i kind of hate how um repetitive and formulaic this game is right because it can be um, a little repetitive that's one of the reasons i have not moved on further than where i am right now yeah it's really disappointing for a game i was this excited for that looks this nice that sounds this nice um like every single chapter is like you start the chapter you talk to a couple people you have a couple fights then there's a boss fight and then you did it like and every single chapter is that way like there is no there's no and i i don't like how like just like color by numbers all of the chapters are and how like none of them really deviate at all they're all just that i don't like how um none of the other party members come in to like interact with whoever the chapter is about right okay so if you haven't played the game uh each character each character has their own chapter in the game as opposed to like playing a game that is chapter one then you go to chapter two then you go to chapter whatever like each character has their own chapter where they go through a certain amount of events or a a certain number of things happen to them or whatever um but that chapter is just about that character and like none of your other party members like they're just kind of there they don't really do anything in the chapter the chapters are almost like like specific to the one character yeah as yeah. much as it is like a, a game about eight people it's weird yeah it's like eight different stories that are all in one game but none of the eight stories have anything to do with each other <laughs> yeah i thought it, i thought there would be more kind of intermingling and like yeah, yeah. i i strongly disliked that because <laughs> it's like what none of the characters interact at all so like and they they all have like no reason to team up with each other. Like, did you notice that? It's like no, yeah. Like you you talk to the person. It's like, hey, you want to follow me? Eh, whatever. Like, we're we're <laughs> not going to the same places. We have literally different objectives. We're not. Yeah, whatever. I'll follow you. Like what? Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. That 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 was one of the things I disliked about this game the most. Yeah, I feel you a hundred percent. Like, I mean, I. That the reason that I haven't gone much farther and I've kind of put the game down for a couple months is just because mm-hmm. it got a little repetitive um, or a lot repetitive. It feels mm-hmm. like it feels like eight different games with the same formula with like yeah. different skins. Yes, yes. So like I agree. after after going through eight chapter ones, it's like 
I should have just played one and done one character and just played all eight chapters and then just called it quits. Right. But you kind of can't do that because the game assumes that you have three other party members. Right. It forces you like the the first chapter two was like, uh, like 20 levels ahead. So I was like, yeah, I got to get some party members. Yeah, because I thought that's after playing the demo. I thought that's the game. The way the game worked was you would play a character, and you would like go around in the world and do their story, and then you finish the game, and then you can replay it again as a different character. Mm-hmm. No, that's not really the way the game works. I mean, I guess theoretically, technically, you could do that, but it would be basically impossible yeah. uh, unless you there's, just grinded for an eternity. There's nothing uh, really like. There's nothing really. The game is not like designed to be played that way. Which, no, no, which no, I no, think no, is not. is a detriment to it because if it were, you could design each playthrough to have little Easter eggs and things to like. That if you had played another character's storyline, you would you would yeah. recognize. You know, I think that you could do much more creative things with that style of game design. But uh, the other thing I just mentioned, like grinding for an eternity. Uh, I don't know if you got to this point yet, but like there is a huge gap between what the game expects your character's party level to be at chapter two versus chapter one, and at chapter three yeah. versus chapter two. Like there's like these huge gaps, which is like. It it's basically mandatory grinding if you want to get on to the next chapter because none mm-hmm. of your characters are high enough level. Uh, yeah, that, that's what I was just kind of hinting at. Like once I saw the chapter two for the first character I chose, I realized, yeah. oh well, I, I might as well just go around collecting some party members because yeah. I'm level like seven, and the next chapter starts at level twenty three or something. Yeah, uh, that was that just felt like a poor game design. Yeah, uh, yeah, that I I don't know. I've never I. I don't, I don't, I don't really mind grinding in an RPG if it's like, oh, there's this optional boss, and you know, I I need to get a few more ability points to get this next ability or something, or you know, just one more level and I can get the next upgrade or something like that. When it doesn't feel like it's mandatory, like this, absolutely felt like you cannot progress any further in this game until you grind for an hour. I'm like, I don't want to do that. Like, that's not fun. I think it caters to a certain audience. There's definitely people I've met who are in it for just repetitively battling the same enemies over and over and getting like marginal number benefits on level ups. Like, you know, they play the min-max game or whatever. Yeah. It's not really for me. Um, So it's not one of my favorite parts of the game. All right. So we've torn apart the story. We've torn apart the basic (laughs) structure of this game. Uh, What about the battle system? Okay, so we're starting to get a little bit more into some of the stuff I liked. Um, although it it didn't last forever, um, my initial uh, uh, feelings about the battle system was it was like, you know, a unique um, kind of uh, forced me to think about each battle a little bit. Uh, it, it basically causes you to... It's reminiscent of one of my favorite JRPGs, Final Fantasy VIII, in which... Um, you kind of have to like know which enemies have which weaknesses. That's not really FF8 specific, but like it forces you to know your enemies, which is FF8 reminiscent. Because um, like in FF8, you you can only get scan get certain magics from certain enemies. So this is kind of similar in that like, oh, I know this guy has like a weakness to this type of weapon, and your characters can kind of switch weapons, you know, to to play to uh, prey on one of those weaknesses. Um, on the enemies. Um, I thought that was a cool kind of strategic, uh, you know, thing. For well, a I feel while. like a, I feel like a lot of RPGs do that, but what, what I liked about this is, um, well, first of all, it, once you hit an enemy's weakness, uh, it'll remain on the screen. Even if you encounter the same type of enemy in the future, yeah, that's I, useful. I, yeah. I like that a lot. Um, so like the first time you're encountering an enemy, you're just tr- kind of trying different weapon types and like uh, different magics or whatever to see what its weakness is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once you know the weaknesses, that's where I really liked the battle system because then um, so this the, game the break has, system was really cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah so yeah. if you hit an, a monster a certain amount of times with whatever they're weak to, uh, they'll whatever break. Uh, which when they're when a monster is broken, it loses its next turn, and it uh, is like in increase its defense goes way down, so you can do way more damage to it. Yeah. Um, so you're you're trying to like strategically plan your turns so that you can 
break the monster so that it can't hit you and then like maximize your damage output once you've broken it. Right, um, because you also have your main characters have like um, an AP. I forget what they call it. The, um, action the, points or whatever. Action points, S- right? Like, yeah, some, SP, something like that. SP maybe, right. Yeah. And so you can like, you can just manually boost your next attack, but you usually want to save that for after the enemy has been broken so you can you know maximize your damage output. Yep, yeah, you can kind of, like, store, you can kind of, like, bank turns in this game. Right. Um, so, like, if you don't, if you don't do, um, if you don't use multiple turns in one turn, you can kind of save your turns up. I don't know if that makes any sense, but, uh, yeah, you kind of want to, like, save your turns up, either to break the monster in one, like, big attack, or to do a ton of damage once it's broken. Anyway, I liked that part of the battle system a whole lot. I liked yeah. the like strategery of um uh figuring out how to deny monster turns while also like maximizing your damage output um i like that a lot what i did not like was how long the battles are specifically the boss fights right oh god those are so long oh my god wait till you get to some of the chapter two ones the boss fights go on like forever like unnecessarily long like just just like knock uh, 10,000 or 100,000 HPs off some of the bosses yeah. and like better, like much better. <laughs> well, that like, leads, that's like, that's like the second half of my point is that like, yeah. I, I, I really enjoyed everything we just talked about for the battle system. I thought it was uh-huh. like a refreshing kind of spin on just a classic turn-based JRPG combat. Mm-hmm. But after doing eight chapters of, yeah. you know, this grindiness, it just got to take like, like I just didn't want to do it anymore. <laughs> so I was yeah. exhausted. Yeah. Um, especially for those those boss fights. Yeah. Yeah. I liked I liked what the battle system was, but I wish there was like a little bit more depth, just like one or two more little wrinkles in there, uh, to to I don't know, really add more strategy. And to be clear, um, with like taking away HP from the bosses, I'm not advocating that the game is too hard or to like make the game easier. I'm just saying that the pacing of the boss fights is bad. Like those boss fights, I'm serious, go on for like I don't know, twenty minutes, thirty minutes sometimes. <laughs> like it's just too long. Like like just rebalance the game and. Like, the bosses are never a threat to, like, kill you. Like, I never lost control of the battle. Like, my my party was always, like, good. It was just, like, I could not get enough damage output. You, usually to... the, the bigger threat was my Switch about to die and having to <laughs> Right, yeah. And that's that's a game design problem when, yeah. your threat, when your threat is battery life versus, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, the boss killing you. Yeah. Uh, like, those, some of those bosses just needed to be rebalanced, like... Uh, increase the damage output and for both sides and decrease the hp or something I, something just did not feel right there it, the those bosses just took forever totally um <laughs> my notes uh for this just say god damn those voice barks uh yeah like my blade is on Ending yes, or whatever. That was, that was really annoying. I noticed that like ten hours in, and like it was like oh, subliminal boy. messaging. Like I didn't notice it, and then once I did, I just could not. Like I was like, oh god, it's... yeah. Like the voice barks in the battle were annoying, and then like I was expecting there to be an option to like just turn them off. Like that would be much better if I could just turn it off. Like I didn't want to hear. <laughs> Which, like, you can take the volume of the voices all the way down, but then you lose the voice-acted cutscenes. And I was like, yeah, but I don't want that. I just want to mute their dumb voices. Yeah. Like, if I have to hear the same, like, oh, another enemy down, or whatever the scholar says. Uh, I can't believe I don't have it memorized by heart. I heard it (laughs) 200,000 times. Yeah. Yeah, God, that was uh, the worst. Um, And also, I did not like... All right, here's another thing, uh, game designers... Either have voice acting or don't have voice acting. Like, Mm. don't do it halfway. I'm not talking about, like, have all of the text voiced. I'm talking about, like, when the character will say the first line of the text box, or the first word of the text box, and then nothing else. Right. Like, when they just do the, the, like, hmm, 
Yeah. I mm. see. Huh. Well, Ooh. good day. Yeah, e. like, don't... Yeah, like, in every <laughs> stupid voice... Yeah, oh, every stupid text box has that attached. The ones that aren't f- fully voiced. Like, right. just give me all of the text voiced, or give me none of the text voiced. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that makes that, sense. That killed me. Um, yeah. <sighs> I'm just so disappointed with this game. Do you have any... I, I have one last rant to go on do you have anything else for octopath traveler um in summary for me would i recommend this game (laughs) yeah basically would i say that you would have fun playing this game maybe (laughs) yeah yeah should you go by this i mean it's it's a game that's designed i think for for jrpg yeah uh fanatics this is a very specific audience, and yes. I was hoping, I was hoping this would have a much more wide appeal. Uh, like I, I would love for this graphical style and this quality of of music to like just remake, you know, the old Super remake Final Fantasy V, Final Fantasy VI with this. Like that is money in the bank right there. Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, okay. Um, well, just as a side note. The visuals yeah. were were amazing in this game. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's one really great thing about it. So my my final rant on this game has to do with the thief Therion. yeah, and the way that like the way that the whatever they call the path actions work in this game because like one oh, of the right. selling points one of the selling points is like okay you have all these characters and they use different weapons and they have different abilities in battle but they also have different abilities outside of battle right. So, like, the dancer can, like, allure somebody to follow you. The, like, hunter can train animals and capture them. And then she has... No, that's her in-battle ability. I don't know. Whatever. The, like, warrior guy can, like, challenge other people to combat or whatever. Okay. The thief guy, when he talks to somebody else, he can... You have an option to steal from them. Mm-hmm. Um, did you Did you ever do this? Yeah. Here and there. Okay. So, um, when you steal from people, you can steal some really, really good, valuable yeah. items. That's um, pretty good stuff, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, the way that stealing works is random. You have a random chance to succeed. The penalty for stealing is like, eh, try again. <laughs> <laughs> did you... Did you Because it's like, if you fail stealing four more times your reputation will suffer and then you have to like go to the bar and like for some reason pay the barkeep to like restore your reputation (laughs) it's a bit of a half-assed mechanic the reputation yes it's it's a terrible mechanic that thematically doesn't really make any sense like i'm just gonna rob this guy blind and then go to the bar like what it doesn't make make any sense thematically but the worst the worst fucking thing was i think it was therian's chapter two i think there was like uh, a bunch of key items that you had to get in his chapter two, and the only way you could get them was stealing. Oh, ooh, I don't know if I but like, that. but the I, I was like, okay, so the the stealing must just be rigged then in the story missions, right? Yeah. Like, there's no way they would just have that be random. Nope, it's fucking random. It is <laughs> you. You just have a random uh, chance to just keep failing over and over and over again. And you just have to go to the bar and keep paying the barkeep like money to oh, restore man. your reputation. So like you could just random roll the the steel fail like 50 times and be broke and then I don't even know what happens if you're broke I guess you just can't progress in the game. Wow, yeah, like, that'd be an interesting experiment. It's fucking terrible. Like whoever designed that needs to go to game design hell. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh okay, cuz if you fail stealing 20 times in a row, you're either broke or just like save scum and like reload your game like it's it's just it's just the worst i just really hate yeah, it yeah um that that almost got me to put the game down I'm, I'm still playing the game a little bit mostly because the game is gorgeous and sounds great but um at this point yeah it it's just so disappointing i was i was really had high hopes for this game it i mean it's not it's not completely terrible like it's not a disaster but it's nowhere near what i was hoping this game would be it's a it's a it's a collectible it's eye candy 
and sound yeah. ear candy, I yeah. guess. I don't know. Uh, but it's not, it doesn't have a lot of depth and it has some, uh, some shady decisions on the mechanics. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of with you. Like Octopath Traveler. Eh. Eh. That's, that's kind of my, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's where I'm at with it. Disappointing. Um, do you know what's not a... disappointing? Yeah. What's that? Our upcoming list of top five favorite soundtracks. Oh, that is right. I am excited for this. This is our top five favorite video game soundtracks. All right. What you got? Oh what my got? gosh. I'm so excited. What you got? What you got? Number five. Ho. Oh. Right. Halo. Halo. Nice. A little Marty O'Donnell. Okay. So I don't really like any other Halos. No, no. Um, I... I so the Halo soundtrack is my number five because it's 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 not the most memorable, catchy, I can always remember every track thing. However, if anyone were to play a Halo track, like as I'm just walking by some some someone's house or something and they're playing any Halo song from the soundtrack, I'll immediately know that sounds like Halo, man. Like, outside of the few um, kind of main theme titles, which are obviously the most iconic, but the one I was just kind of terribly um, parodying, um, most of the soundtrack is just kind of like um, kind of environmentally based uh, tracks, like depending on which planet you're on or which chapter in the story you're in. But they are very distinct, uh, and they're, they're full of bassy, uh, drum, uh, rhythm-driven uh, actiony sounding soundtracks, but they have a certain uh, style and feel. I don't know. I probably should have looked this up. Like who um, the director or the composer? Marty O'Donnell. Okay, thank you. Um, I know you probably know most of these. So, um, so yeah, uh, just a very distinct sound and uh, just easily easy to point out. Uh, and yeah, to this day, just yeah, you can toss it in. I know exactly where it's from, and it, and mm-hmm. it, it pumps up my blood, gets me ready to kill some aliens. Great, great pick. Um, I am I'm double checking to make sure. I, uh, yeah, Martin O'Donnell. Okay. Also, Michael Salvatore uh, is also credited on the original Halo Combat Evolved. But uh, I think when most people think of Halo, they think of the, the compositions by uh, Martin O'Donnell, Marty O'Donnell. All right. Yeah. That's so good. So good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I went back and forth for a long time, uh, with my, my number four and my number five. I had different things slotted in here, uh, a bunch of different times. My top three is rock solid. No, no question. I feel you. I'm, um, I'm the same way as mine. Yeah. Uh, my number five is a very little known game called Shatter. Uh, yeah, it is, um, it's an Arkanoid clone. You know what Arkanoid is? It's kind of like, um, like the, the Pong, but it's got the paddle on the bottom of the screen. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's one of those. Uh, it's on Steam, um, and it's, uh, it's fine. <laughs> it's, uh, the game, the game itself is, is fine. Uh, nothing to write home about. But holy, holy shit, the soundtrack mm-hmm. is... It's real good. Um, this is a soundtrack. I just I, I found this game through its soundtrack. I really? uh, I was just yeah I was just listening to random game soundtracks and I was like whoa what is this? This sounds amazing. Uh, and then went to go play the game. Um, it's it's got a really unique sound. It's um, you got these like really rockin' uh, like melodic electric guitars. But the beat is like a, a a dance or a club or like almost even like a um, like a dubstep beat almost kind of uh, and then um, just really synthy uh, everything else is very uh, synthesized sounding um, really really unique sound uh, and every track on that soundtrack is like rock solid. Um, the tragedy of this is I've looked up this composer and to the best of my knowledge the only thing he has ever done this composer uh, just goes by the handle module M-O-D-U-L-E okay. uh, to to the best of my knowledge this is the only soundtrack he has ever worked on which really? is a, 
a goddamn shame because if you listen to the soundtrack, it will um, it'll blow your mind off. It'll wow. blow your mind right off. Shatter. I have um, to check that out. Yeah. 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 That's my number five. Okay. Um, my number four, pause, is Shenmue. Oh, really? Nice. Okay. Yes. Um, so Shenmue, uh, the soundtrack for Shenmue kind of is not necessarily in the foreground when you play that game. That game is very much designed to be, uh, a cinematic experience. So it's not the kind of thing where every battle you hear the same song or every, uh, you know, there's not like, there's tracks for specific areas, but it's not like a classic game in which like literally like level two has this soundtrack. Um, Mm -hmm. So, so it's something that you can easily miss, I think. But I, it's probably hard to if you actually play through the whole game because all of the most intense moments in that game, uh, as far as the story uh, or, or, or interactions between certain characters, this music is is prom- it's prominent. It's it's there uh, and it's powerful. Uh, it's just beautiful, kind of Asian themed. Uh, they they use a lot of the. Um, Asian uh, instruments, I don't really know what a lot of them are called, but it has a very distinct Asian sound. Uh, mm-hmm. And my favorite version of this soundtrack is an orchestral version. Um, I don't know who necessarily performs it, but I have the the tracks and I can provide them to you. But um, I think that the, the, like, the game sounds a little bit orchestral-y. You know, it's, it's not like an 8-bit sounding soundtrack, but, but this specific version is one where like literally like an orchestra is playing it on a stage uh and it's just phenomenal like just amazing composition um it sounds like i remember uh listening to it i had it on like my own cd because i'm that big of a nerd uh mm-hmm. driving around uh in high school and my wife to be uh taryn was like um this is really pretty music what are you playing is this from a movie or something <laughs> and i had to explain to her no i'm much nerdier than that this is actually from a video game uh, <laughs> uh-huh. but it's it had that sort of impact it's it, it's like a triple a sounding movie soundtrack um, it was amazing mm-hmm. yeah uh i'm looking at the credits to the soundtrack there's a lot a lot of people contributed to that soundtrack um the only name i recognize is the absolutely legendary yuzo kushiro mm-hmm. uh who who contributed to that soundtrack very good pick very good pick um my number four is a soundtrack that is uh, probably not for everyone. Uh, this is uh, Akira Yamaoka's Silent Hill 2. Oh. Um, yeah, so Yamaoka is... Um, he falls in this weird camp between, like, uh, ambient noise and, like, a, like... Uh, apparently this style of music is called trip hop which is yeah uh it's like it's like a hip-hop beat but there are no vocals and um the melodies are very like ethereal and uh yeah i don't know um i kind of know what you're talking about because i listened to uh like a community powered uh radio station online called Mm -hmm. soma soma fm Mm -hmm. And they yep. have like this uh, dream station. It's like I think it's just called Dream. Yeah, it's kind of like this weird kind of like ambient sounds and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's um that it, that's probably the exact same style of music. Like it's the sort of music that you could listen to when you're falling asleep, um, and that's like one half of the the songs in the Silent Hill soundtrack, uh, specifically Silent Hill Two. Uh, the other half are these, like, really intense and horrifying, um, like, ambient noises, but the way he's arranged and composed them, it sounds musical. It sounds absolutely terrifying, but these noises also are undeniably musical, um, which, uh, I think it takes a real, uh, a real talent to be able to arrange noise uh in the way that Yamaoka does um he's very very good at that uh yeah um not for everyone but if you're into some weird music Silent Hill 2 yeah that's uh I think you're right to to, to be able to to convey that type of emotion 
with musical sounds. That's, that's quite a talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, well, now we're getting into the top three. This is the the real good stuff here. These are the heavy hitters. All right. Yeah. These are these are three very heavy hitters for me. Uh, these are classic classic games. Um, so my number three is Sonic Two in the Sonic series. Ooh, nice. Very nice. Um, so Sonic 2 being the specific soundtrack, I, I, I mm-hmm, love. Mm-hmm. but really the whole Sonic series as a whole. Uh, yeah. That, oh, be, Sonic's, got some, Sonic's yeah. got some great music always. Yeah. So that'll be a running theme in the, the, all the top three of my top three. But Sonic 2 specifically had wonderful hits, such as uh, Chemical Plant Zone. Oh, Chemical Plant Zone. Yeah. Uh, uh, what is the Emerald Hill or something? Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Emerald Hill Zone. Yep. Yeah. You know stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Man, what can I say about that? Um, I, having not played Sonic Two in probably something close to twenty years at this point, um, mm-hmm. I can still remember like every single part of the music uh, from most of the tracks. Like I, I remember the stages. You know, like. Mm-hmm. When when a when a game can tie in what your like actual map looks like, each each individual like move like you know like obstacle like, you know that you had to go through as a character, and that when the sound can remind you of that stuff more so than your memory of the game itself, that's amazing. <laughs> like their their tone that they composed with each track matched the levels so well. And, and the uniqueness of each level matched the uniqueness of each soundtrack track. That, uh, yeah, to this day, I can hear the track and see the game, which is, mm-hmm. uh, which is amazing. Yeah, no, uh, great stuff. Uh, Masato Nakamura is the sole composer of Sonic 2. Yeah, wow, uh, some s- super, super legendary and catchy tunes. Uh, definitely Chemical Plant Zone has been... Uh, covered and remixed uh, a million times because it is uh, good. Oh, yeah. My number three, uh, we have talked about this game before. Uh, We have an episode dedicated to this game, a main topic. Uh, That's Chrono Trigger. Yeah. Uh, And we actually touched on how amazing... The the soundtrack is, yeah. The soundtrack is. Um, Yeah, uh, great, great... uh, compositions by Yasunori Mitsuda um, who uh, sadly uh, got really really ill while working on Chrono Trigger he uh, a lot of the stories are that he like was in the office like you know sun up to sundown slept in the office and he just overworked himself and got like stomach ulcers or something like that and had to be hospitalized uh, really, really tragic, but obviously, um, when that happened, uh, the legendary Nobuo Uematsu took over, and so we've got, uh, a soundtrack with compositions from, like, two of my all-time favorite composers. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, really, really awful circumstances, but, um, the result is, uh, a pretty legendary soundtrack. Uh, I don't know, I don't know, uh, what else there is to say, it's a great great soundtrack from a great game i mean there's not much more else to say i mean if you listeners out there you know reference episode two or whatever you know if you, if you need to know more but uh yeah there's not much more to say this soundtrack is yeah. amazing. it definitely definitely is fucking chrono trigger man yeah man um, which is funny because uh, Nubo Uematsu is probably one of the few composers that I actually know by name. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you know a lot more than I do, actually. Um, and he has a heavy hand in my number two. Oh! Uh, number two being Final Fantasy VIII. Ooh, great pick. And the Final Fantasy series as a whole, of course. Mm-hmm. Um so Final Fantasy VIII in particular was uh, composed uh, largely by Nobuo Uematsu? Uh, entirely by Entirely? Nobu there you go. There yep. you go. Um, God damn, this track is so good. Uh, mm-hmm. I, some would say, some would say, the soundtrack is even better than the game. Uh, some, including me, would yes. say that. <laughs> yes. 
That's what I mean specifically. Uh, nah, I certainly would not say that, but I, some would. Uh, I, man, how do, I, how do I put this soundtrack into words? Like, um, epic, you know? Mm-hmm. Epic sounding? Mm-hmm. Like, just sheer, like, baldness, epicness. Um, orchestra. Mm-hmm. Um, the Just the best driving rock beats for battle music you could ever ask for mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so much so that Nobu Amatsu himself led a heavy metal band to cover some of the songs yes he did the Black Mages the Black Mages um, they did other other Final Fantasies too but, uh, but some of those FFA tracks would just lend themselves really well to that type of uh, style of music which of course is some of my favorites so you've got these driving kind of rock rhythms and then you've got these crazy orchestral pieces too um and uh if you if, if you someone out there has never played ffa you can just go listen to the soundtrack and you might even like that even more so um yeah and you might just listen to the soundtrack and get the best part of the game right exactly you don't even have to play the game just go listen to the soundtrack <laughs> called done i can't believe you agreed with me on that i mean i get it like i i don't agree but i get it We'll, we'll, we'll discuss episode at some point. I'm sure. Alright, my number two is uh, David Wise's work with Donkey Kong Country 2. Uh-huh. Uh, this was like the first game that I was like, oh, music in games is amazing. I can... Uh, I can specifically remember taking like an old like cassette tape recorder and like putting it by my TV, pausing the game and like recording the tape uh, and like uh, <laughs> recording the game music That's because funny. I had like because I had like rented the game and I had to like return it to Blockbuster or whatever, right. but I wanted to still have the soundtrack on hand. <laughs> that uh, was illegal, by the way. Was it? I'm just joking. I don't know. Okay, well. The cops can come get me and come confiscate my cassette tapes of the recording of Donkey Kong Country 2 soundtrack. Um, yeah, God, just really, uh, I don't know, um, atmospheric and moody music. Uh, and and it's, it's, it's really uh, in contrast to, like, what was popular for platforming music at the time, right? Because, like, you think of, like, Mario, and you have, like, these super upbeat and, like, happy and catchy, like, um, just, like, earworm music, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, Sonic was, um, was like, even more, like, high energy, like, rockin', whatever. Like, Donkey Kong was just kind of, yeah. uh, specifically, DKC2 was just kind of relaxed yeah. and mellow and yeah. uh, very moody. Uh, yeah, I love love the sound from that soundtrack by the way all of my top five i listen to uh almost daily because i i listen to game music while i while i'm at work or while i'm in the car so like these are tracks that i know and have listened to a bajillion times and like this is the music that has stuck with me year after year like this is the stuff that i never have gotten sick of right no i I hear you and that's that's a testament to how well some of these tracks are composed like mm-hmm. that you don't get sick of them think about what a game track has to do for a game like mm-hmm. it needs to be something that is catchy and distinguishable but also not want to make people want to tear their ears out after hearing it after 100 hours or more of playing right right so um so yeah that's that's then and for you to be listening to it you know 10 15 20 plus years later is yeah so that's amazing you know and this this is this is no knock on the absolutely legendary Koji Kondo, right? But like a lot of the like Mario stuff, like oh. that's never that's like I mean yeah. it's super catchy, but like that it it's so catchy and like so peppy and upbeat. Like that's Too much. not something yeah. that's not something I'm gonna listen to while I'm in the car or listen to while I'm at work. Like right. you know, right. like it it accomplishes he accomplished what he set out to do like it's not a bad composition it fits the game it it sets the tone for that game and uh like it's not bad but it's not the type of music i want to listen to over and over and over again agreed agreed um and on that point i will say that my top five is less about like being able to hear repetitively over and over and over again and not 
be sick of it and more about I don't listen to these tracks necessarily every day, but definitely several times a year. Um, but when I hear one of these uh, tracks from the top five soundtracks that I'm talking about, it, it, it brings up emotion. It brings up the, the memories of playing that game the first time um, or mm. like specific things that happened in that game. Um, for the most part, that's kind of what my track is about. It's like, it's like about re- remembering, you know? Um, so all that to say that my number one Ooh. is uh-huh. Zelda Ocarina of Time. Oh, very good. Very and, good. At, and, uh, you know, the Zelda series. Uh, uh-huh. Of course, the Zelda series has many, many, you know, great tracks across all the games. But if I had mm-hmm. to choose one, I think I would choose the correct one, being as how the whole game revolves around playing an Ocarina. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty musical game. Um, I would choose Ocarina of Time. Uh, not only does, again, the music play such a pivotal role in this, just the story and the mechanics of the game and how you have to play little tunes uh, just to mm-hmm. like unlock doors or get into new areas... But aside from that, uh, the game soundtracks itself, the, the, what plays has the, almost a similar effect as what Sonic uh, 2 had, which specific areas and specific environments trigger specific uh, tracks that would play. And you can just remember like instantly what part of the game is. You play any track from that game and I'll tell you like what area it's in, what enemies are there <laughs> you right. know, visually I can see myself playing through these areas uh, just very distinct uh, uh, melodies uh, and themes throughout every track uh, and the fact that you actually had to play some of them a simple form on an ocarina that would then lead into the more robust ballad that was composed that that melody followed was so cool like you play you sit, you'd sit there playing like the, uh, you know, like you would play like the first couple of notes on your arena. It would just be like, right? It doesn't sound like much. Mm-hmm. But then as right. right after you ended that, suddenly the soundtrack like whirled in as you finished that off and said, and it's like, oh, like I had something to do with that, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's just, oh God, that was just, just a fantastic soundtrack and everything. Uh, I uh, uh, used that. Uh, we used that as the processional uh, in our wedding, the opening thing to Ocarina of Time. That's right. That's we almost we did too. It. We almost did. Oh. The, t- the title theme was almost like a Taryn's walking theme coming down. Mm-hmm. Um, and somehow uh, that game is not in my top five. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Can you believe it? There's just so many um, great soundtracks out there, man. It's hard. You know? I know. That's the, uh, yes, yes. Uh, it would it would almost certainly be in my top ten. You oh, know what? It wouldn't. It what? wouldn't. What? You know what would? What? You know what would? What? Majora's Mask. Ah, uh, yes. That's really uh, good. And I'm cheating a little bit here because a lot of the Ocarina of Time uh, composition are just recycled in Majora's yes. Mask. <laughs> yes, yes. But Majora's Mask also has like Clock Town and like the yeah. Deku Palace and. Uh, a bunch of other super catchy tracks. Anyway. Yeah. No, my number one is the only thing we overlapped on, and uh, it is Final Fantasy VIII. Oh, right. Look at that. A victory. Yeah. Yes. A small uh, victory for me. <laughs> um, no, I think Final Fantasy VIII is Uematsu at his best. Uh, like, obviously, all of the Final Fantasy soundtracks that he worked on are amazing, but this one specifically, I think, is is at his best uh and i think the reason for that is just the musical range he has in eight because um he hits a lot of uh different moods in eight like you have like a mystery right and you have like the like rock and battle theme and then you have like the, the epic very, like cinematic like, like uh you know that kind of like almost like um, italian opera mm-hmm. sort of a sound yeah and then you have like the like very relaxing and nostalgic, like Fisherman's Horizon. Sure. And, um, Garden. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, there's just so many different uh, moods that he had, and then you have like the like really like um, like jazzy like nighttime uh, yeah. music that plays uh, yeah, when you're in stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah uh, you're bringing that... me back, man. You're bringing me back. It's. I know. I can. I can hear all these sounds. All these. All these songs in my head as I'm describing them. 
Uh, and it's really good. Uh, and that is my number one favorite video game soundtrack, Final Fantasy VIII. Uh, but basically, anything that uh, Nobuo Uematsu has ever worked oh, on yeah. is, is my favorite. But Absolutely if I had to pick one, yeah. if I had to pick one, it would be Final Fantasy VIII. Good stuff. Do you have anything to endorse before we get out of here? Um, I have been playing a lot mm -hmm. of Rainbow Six Siege. Oh, okay. Is um, that a game uh, in, uh, made by uh, Tom Clancy? It is Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege. Yeah, Developed... Tom Clancy made that whole game just by himself in his yep. garage. That's yeah. it. That was fantastic. Mr. Tom Clancy. Now, unfortunately, it does get a bad rep because uh, the publishers of the game were Ubisoft. Mm -hmm. And I know that some people are hit or miss on what they what their opinions are of Ubisoft. However, I'll tell you that this game is probably the best thing they've ever made. Uh, okay. It is uh, mostly a PvP arena shooter, five versus five, with um, let's just call them very deadly, uh, you know, firing mechanics, like, you know, gunplay, I guess. Uh, there you go. What I mean to say is that one stray bullet from across three different rooms through some drywall from someone you don't even know is there can fly in, hit you in the head, and you die in one hit. It is, mm. it is unforgiving uh, in its right. deadliness, uh, which is fun. And the destructible walls and everything um, make it a very unique sort of uh, map flow. Um, so if you've not given it a try, you can get the basic starter game, I think, for free or maybe like 10 bucks or less. So okay. um, you can play it and like you'll have like limited access just to the operators and stuff because there's like unique operators with unique abilities but you can basically play for free like almost free um at least uh and you can come join me and add me nice and we'll play you and tom clancy huh that's right we uh we're, nice. we're pretty tight i dig it um i am going to recommend an anime uh which is crazy because i'm not an anime guy I don't, i'm um, curious to know which anime this is well, uh, it's an animated movie, okay. uh, and it recently just had its 20th anniversary, which uh, was celebrated by a limited uh, run in theaters. It was like a one-night-only thing, which I went down to our local theater to see Princess? Satoshi Kon's Perfect Blue. What? Um, yeah. I don't even know Are what you you're talking about. Wow! I can't, wow! I, can't, right. I can't fathom that you know of some anime movie that I don't even know. Yeah, wow. Well, let me tell you about Satoshi Kon and his uh, theatrical animated debut, Perfect Blue. Um, uh, so Satoshi Kon is kind of known for um, being this really weird, like, um, he does a lot of, like, horror uh, anime, I guess. Okay. Um, and he's known for, like, really trippy, um, very trippy visuals, and a lot of his movies are really uh, psychological, I guess. Um so Perfect Blue is about a um, Japanese pop idol named Mima uh, who decides uh, one day that she doesn't want to be a pop idol anymore. She wants to be a movie star. I think what, what makes this, this movie uh, relevant and even more, even, even increasingly, <clears throat> increasingly relevant as time goes on is um, the concept of everyone has persona you have like an online persona you have an mm. online avatar right uh, everyone true. has an avatar that is not necessarily you but represents you and even this movie 20 years ago was was starting to see the advent of the internet and sort of and 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 sort of was touching on um the horror of what happens when you lose control of your persona um and part of that is uh explicitly uh, Mima lose, loses control of her online persona, but she also has another persona, which is her, her stage presence, right? Because she's a pop idol. Right. And the horror of the anime kind of deals with what happens when people start projecting themselves or projecting their expectations of what they want you to be onto that persona. And like what happens when other people start their their expectations start driving your persona instead of you making decisions right and um mima starts to not like where her um 
her professional career is going and where that persona is going. Mm. And she starts to not be able to separate her personal life from her stage persona. And they start bleeding into each other, right? And Mm. some of the horrifying things, she starts like getting stalked by these crazy fans who show up at her concerts, but then follow her home into her like personal life. She starts getting stalked online and it's that kind of horror, um, sort of the, um, the, the psychological horror of not being able to separate you, the person from you, the online avatar. Uh, and that is perfect blue. And if that sounds interesting, you should go see it or you should go see, uh, uh, some of Satoshi Kon's other animated works. Um, you like creepy like, things. Have, I do like creepy things. I uh, I touched on Silent Hill earlier, and yeah. uh, I just recommended Perfect Blue. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a really trippy and weird movie. Um, uh, Kon uses a lot of um, editing techniques. Um, he'll there's a lot of like hard cuts between mima's um movie set to like her personal life to like her dreams and everything just starts blending in with each other and it becomes hard to separate what is real from what is her like professional fictional life from what she is imagining and it all just kind of blends into one uh terrifying uh experience perfect blue Hmm. all right and i think that's gonna do it for this show right uh yeah i mean yeah we really kind of hit a little bit of everything here yeah yeah we did we uh we we do it all here on the good games podcast that's right um and uh for the good games podcast i am james and i'm leo uh we'll see you next time see ya goodbye oh um next time we're probably going to talk about spider-man or shenmue or something i don't shenmue. know shenmue shenmue all right <laughs> next time we're talking about shenmue we'll see you next time Woo! goodbye So I have one honorable mention. Okay. Oh, I could I could honorable mention for days. But what's one of your honorable mentions? Uh, this one is near and dear to me, and I'm actually sending you the track right now on Facebook. Whoa, whoa! All right, for you to to play. <laughs> I know what this is. Oh God! Yeah, I know what this is. Um, okay, and this bullshit. All right. All right, how do I do it? Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> a, a very special track. Mm-hmm. Composed Why by, is this? It's yeah. composed by a very famous composer, uh-huh. actually. Named, named who? Named Leo Drez. Oh! Oh, boy, here we go. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, this isn't it. Wait, wait till the melody kicks in. Yeah, here we go. It's coming. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Huh. <laughs> All right. How do I stop this? <laughs> Just click it again. Okay, there we go. That was uh, that was for anyone who's curious. A track that was uh, developed on uh, Music Shake, uh, free yep. software oh, at the God, time. I forgot about Music yeah, Shake for uh, for a game that we were trying to put together or something. Who knows? But um, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>